0: Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. So we continue breaking down what the attempt is to break down society regarding CRT, critical race theory. We can talk about Afghanistan. We can talk about the border. We can talk about China threatening Taiwan. This is still happening, people. It is happening and it is dangerous and it affects our kids. In central Indiana, you should see the parents discussing what it is in the school libraries and they're getting excoriated for noting all of the quote unquote literature in school libraries that you would need a parent to be with you if you were seeing that as a movie. Oh, school boards are infuriated that you would want to read that filth at a school board meeting. Why is it in school? These same parents are the parents taking a look at what's going on with the education of their children and asking whether or not this is education at all or really and truly bigotry and indoctrination. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio, Parlor, Instagram, Twitter at Tony Katz. William Jacobson joins us right now from LegalInsurrection.com, Cornell Law Professor. Now, the story I wanted to talk to you about was the story of the Arkansas Attorney General. We brought it up yesterday uh, saying uh, that uh, critical race theory and those practices violate anti-discrimination laws, but Before we get there, a piece that you wrote last week about medical education and research crumbling under racial identity politics. I have heard this anecdotally from people in the medical profession and others that there is a fear that you will see doctors and nurses treating people based on trying to be woke and not based on the patient in front of them. And yes, indeed, if a patient is black or a patient is white or a patient is Asian or a patient is Hispanic, they may have culturally certain... Uh, ways of treating things that are different than other people based on the massive knowledge we have of how to treat people based on certain characteristics what was this study and and what if you can uh, get into it there from real clear investigations what was the finding
1: well it was an investigation by uh, an investigator at real clear investigations which is affiliated with real clear politics website and he interviewed me extensively for it and i'm quoted in there and essentially what he was doing is looking at education and also treatment in the medical industry and is finding that all of these you know critical race theory doctrines approaches are rapidly taking over not just medical schools, but also how care is delivered and that doctors are being forced to or at least encouraged to uh, take into account the, the race of uh, various patients, not for care specific to that patient. I mean, there, there might be reasons why, you know, a particular person from a particular background may have success. Stability to different medications as a group. I mean, that's, but that's patient specific. They're talking about broad based approaches that prioritize care based on the race of the patient and based on the claims of, you know, historical injustices in medical care, et cetera, and essentially prioritizing non-white patients over white patients in delivering care. And this is, of course, completely crazy. It's probably illegal, but it's the movement. And I don't know that it's actually been instituted anywhere yet, but there is a very strong push to institute those sort of protocols.
0: So I understand you. We're not having a conversation or, or Ibram Kendi, for example, uh, who uh, is the the leader of the anti-racism concept, which is indeed uh, bigotry as as I see it. Uh, we're not talking about triage here, right? That's how you sort people into groups based on their medical need, who's most at risk, who's who's less. You, you go down the line, you take a look at the injury, you take a look at the issue, and you make the call. The The anti-racists are making the claim that in order to have um, what, what a true decency or wokeness, I don't know how they describe it, you have to treat people of color first regardless of what's happening.
1: Well I think it's both. I mean, based on what his findings were, and he spent a lot of time on it, and he links to all his sources that the push is for both that both in terms of immediate prioritization of patients but also more generalized care that uh, in order to combat structural inequities in the system, uh, you know uh, if we only looked at the particular patient, that would be reinforcing uh, racist you know stereotype not stereotypes but you know embedded racism in the system so if you have um, you know a black patient present himself and a white patient present himself in the ER you have to take into account the fact that the black community suffers injustices according to them uh, systemic injustices in medical care and you need to attend to that patient first so again I'm not sure that's actually been instituted anywhere but it is a very heavy push both in medical school education and in what a lot of activists are writing in the medical community, including in, you know, different organizations. So this is where they're going. They are literally uh, just like in public schools, they want to institute, uh, you know, what by any real definition would be racist practices against, you know, White schoolchildren, they want to do the same in the medical industry because they say it's necessary to overcome systemic uh, injustices. And so, yes, it's a real, I mean, it just shows how perverse this ideology has become and how abhorrent it has become. It's even worse in practice than it is in theory.
0: Talking to William Jacobson, Cornell Law Professor, the mind behind LegalInsurrection.com. And I make the argument uh, that critical race theory is not about race, it's about ideology. And it is about a a, a, a tearing down of uh, American fabric. Uh, The Arkansas Attorney General, uh, Leslie Rutledge... Uh, discussing was asked by a member of uh, the Arkansas delegation about critical race theory and do these things uh, create uh, a, a problem? Do they violate the Arkansas Constitution? Do they uh, violate Title VI of the Civil uh, uh, I think it was the Civil Rights Act? Uh, and according to the AG, instituting practices based on critical race theory in education do indeed that does indeed violate anti discrimination laws. What was the question? What did she find? And what does this mean for our Arkansas and possibly other states.
1: Right. Well, what what she found was or what she focused on is what I've always believed needs to be focused on is how this is put into practice, Uh, not the abstract theory, things like that. But if you are going to advantage one group of students over another in your practices in education uh, based on their skin color or based on some desire to right historical wrongs that plays out as being a racial classification, that that is discrimination, regardless which direction you're doing it in. It would be discrimination if you uh, did it in a way that disadvantaged black students. Uh, It's also discrimination if you do it in a way that disadvantages white students. When the laws say equal protection, and when the Constitution says equal protection, it means equal protection. And when the anti-discrimination laws say you cannot discriminate based on race, it doesn't say. Particular races, you cannot discriminate based on race. And a lot of the practices of CRT that we've seen, you know, uh, leaks of training material, things like that. We've seen, you know, segregation of students and uh, teachers for training by race. We've seen white shaming in a lot of schools, uh, and those have leaked out. Those sort of things, and it's also in the corporate world that these violate the anti-discrimination law. So. I don't think there's anything really unusual about that finding. Now, how it plays out in a particular situation is a little different. And she also addressed the, you know, straw man argument, the fake argument that the other side makes, which is, oh, you don't want us to teach history. I mean, she specifically found that nothing in there prohibit nothing in the anti discrimination laws prohibit the teaching of history. Uh, It's how, It is practiced and the environment it creates when you implement it. And that's why when you just read that sentence, I think, you know, the key word there is practices. Okay, not just teaching critical race theory, but the practices that accompany it uh, could be a violation of the law, just like any racist practices could be.
0: Yeah, and the conversation is about practices. And, and you are right that we, we often hear you don't want to teach this because you don't want to teach about America's uh, terrible history. It is so obvious and clear that the people who support critical race theory don't want anything in their way, so they throw up the these nonsense statements to try and embolden those uh, followers as opposed to deal with, the reality of, of of what it is that that's happening here, uh, one of the things that is discussed uh, in any effort to take account of race in a way that differently accords benefits or opportunities or creates a hostile environment in an educational institution is almost certainly unlawful under the equal protection clause and title six. I look at, uh, what, what they discuss when they, uh, get into, and you know this, uh, because not only do you run, uh, legalinsurrection.com, you run criticalrace.org, which discusses critical race training and education in universities and higher education all across the country, criticalrace.org, uh, that you're, you're, you're getting this idea that if you engage in a pressed oppressor mentality, if you engage the idea that people have a guilt based on their existence, you create within children, white and black, that you can never. It, it, it is it is this defeatist uh, mentality, and one can argue, as as the group 1776 Unites argues, I believe, that it is a bigoted mentality and that uh, CRT, critical race theory, is teaching bigotry in your investigations, in your research, and putting together CriticalRace.org. Have you found that to be true, or or am I off base?
1: Well, no, I think the whole concept of this oppressor oppressed as applied to people who are going through the education system now uh, is an extremely bigoted approach, but it's also a dead end. It's a societal dead end. It is teaching children to view society through the color of their skin. It's teaching them to view their friends through the color of their skin. It is um, setting people against each other. It is telling, it is shaming white children for things they had nothing to do with. Okay. And it is portraying to non-white children that they are born into uh, victimhood and that they can never escape it because if the entire society is this way. Nothing you do as a child, no matter how hard you work, no matter what you do, you can never overcome this systemic oppression. That's one of the most negative messages you could send to a child, that they are born into victimhood, to a life of victimhood. And that is the message that's being sent, and it is a societal dead end. It is perpetual racial strife in order to turn, to turn our society inside out. And it's also almost always imbued with an anti-capitalist uh, approach that it is not just the American system, it is the capitalist system. So here's where you get into what the real agenda of people are. It is an extremely anti-capitalist agenda, which is using race as the force to attack capitalism, much as classic Marxists used class Um, as a means of attacking capitalism so that's really what the agenda is here but as it plays out in a particular situation i've always argued a lot of these situations are violations of existing law we don't need new laws we just need to apply existing law to these situations
0: as you see it on the university level uh quickly and you see it on the uh on the high school level um Is the pushback, uh, what I've dubbed the hashtag the great pushback, is the pushback from parents and from others working? Are we seeing uh, the fight against uh, this bigotry against critical race theory working, or are they still moving apace?
1: Well, both. It is working at one level, is that the public is now much more aware. And that really was the first step that needed to happen, public awareness, because a lot of parents had no idea and to this day have no idea what is actually going on in the schools where their kids are spending most of the day. Um, And so the public awareness is there. Legislators are aware now. Uh, Everybody's talking about it. So to that extent, there has been enormous progress because a lot of this was going on and nobody knew about it, or at least parents didn't know about it. I think it's also... beginning to bubble up uh, in terms of uh, school boards are now disavowing it. No, we're not teaching it. We're not doing it, et cetera, et cetera. And then you get into these word games about what critical race theory is and what what names they're putting on it. But the fact is that it's working in the sense that a lot of school districts around the country are now going to be much more cautious about what they do because they know people are watching Uh, where it's not working yet is that there continues to be a massive, and your listeners probably can't fathom how massive this is, how many hundreds of millions of dollars flow into this, pushing this stuff in schools. National Education Association, largest teachers union in the country, is fully now, they made a public statement, fully behind putting this into 14,000 school districts. Um, American Federation of Teachers has promised to use their legal powers their legal force to defend teachers who are reprimanded for violating school policies. Um, the, there are organizations, hundreds, founded by major foundations, I should say funded by major foundations, which push this stuff. One group, one coalition I look at, which is um, uh, the Future of Learning, uh, is a 300-organization coalition Um, And it is funded by major, major foundations, household names, and um, they even have a messaging guide for these groups as to how to push back. And every single thing you hear them saying, oh, you don't want to teach history, et cetera, et cetera, it's all in the messaging guide. This is all very organized, very well-funded. And that's all the more reason why it's my belief that transparency is the single biggest thing, because when parents find out what's actually happening in school, they are furious uh, because that's not what they bargained for. And I think that's, but, but it's not working in the sense that there is still enormous societal power being driven to push this racialized curriculum throughout the country.
0: William Jacobson, legalinsurrection.com. I wanted you to get it all out right there. Legalinsurrection.com. Cornell Law Professor. I appreciate you taking the time. We've got more coming up on Tony Katz. So Robin Hood did go public, right? These were the people who told you you couldn't trade AMC and GameStop after they said they were going to open up the entirety of, of, of trading to the world. These guys, I- I'm still angry over that. Still, I haven't checked AMC stock in a while. Should I check it? Should I check to see how my full disclosure, I own AMC because, well, this whole thing made me own I was like, I'll try it. And then I bought some shares. I'm like, hmm. Did, did that go through? And then I ended up buying more shares. That's a true story. That's a true story. I didn't know how to use the system. It was ridiculous. Oh, no. AMC is uh, you know, basically where where it's been, just holding holding in in the 30s there. But Robinhood, that trading app, reporting its its earnings, and I'm just still I'm I'm amazed that after all of that. People are still utilizing it. It's it, it kind of proves uh, the 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 point that um people have short term memories and they're never really as angry as they say they are. Are they? They'll get over it quick. They'll move on. I think it's a maybe an interesting lesson. And we'll see when those earnings come out, that it doesn't matter what people are are are, are saying, it only matters what they're doing. What they're doing, go for the doing. That's what matters most. This is Tony Katz today. I didn't I didn't see the I didn't see the, the, the pitch. Neither did he. Hold on a second. This is from the A's. Chris Bassett, the pitcher. It's, it's it, it was a line drive directly to his face, right? To his head. That's what yeah. happened. Uh he I see him on the ground. I see the blood on the towel. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Facebook Tony Katz Radio. Uh, the the golf cart comes out. I mean, this is it happens. I mean, it happens I would assume once or twice a year. And sometimes it's amazing when a pitcher is able to have the, the, the reflexes to be able to catch it or, or or knock the ball away something like I mean it's incredible. But man, these things do move, people. These things do move. It was it, 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 no one did anything wrong. It just happens. guy never lost consciousness, which is of course, maybe the absolutely most amazing part. Baseball right now has got to be feeling pretty good about itself. I'm not saying that in relationship to this story. I'm really talking now about baseball. I've moved away from this guy getting hurt, and I, and I hope he's well, and more talking about uh, baseball in general. Because this game between the Yankees and the White Sox, in the corn in Iowa, over 5 million people watched that game live. And for Major League Baseball, that is just huge. Absolutely, positively huge. So huge that they've said we're doing it again. Now, this happened, of course, uh, Field of Dreams. And if you, if you haven't shown your children Field of Dreams yet, uh, this is the weekend, and this is the weekend for them to see Dad cry. And if they then ask you if you want to play a game of catch, it's okay to fall down. It's okay to just be broken. Producer Ari, you don't yet have children that you know of. Uh, but, but let me tell you, um, bre- it, 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 you're going to break down. It'll be over. It'll be over. You'll act the tough. You'll be like, yeah, sure, I'll, 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 I'll have a catch with you, son. Yeah, let me just go get my glove. I, go, oh, I got some dust in my eye. And then you, you'll have your moment. You will have your moment. It is nuts. The game went so well, the Field of Dreams game, that they're doing it again. Next year, 2022, the Cubs and the Reds. It's going to be out of control. It's going to be out of control. I'm willing to bet you they had like 8,000 people at, at the game. And I wasn't aware that it was the Field of Dreams game until... After it happened, I just I just wasn't aware. I, I, I didn't know. So I'm thinking that next year, be, beyond the hottest ticket in all of America, it'll be the hottest sporting event ticket in all of America. I, who am not a baseball guy, if I could figure out how to go, I would go. A hundred and fifty. Pusari, would go, you'd go, right? Mm,
1: probably if I got a ticket. I wouldn't pay a lot for it, but if someone gave me a ticket, I'd go.
0: I think people will gladly pay thousands to go.
1: Yeah, some people will. I just wouldn't.
0: For, for, for the experience, bar none. Uh, and oh, yes, you, you, you will break down and cry. You will break down and cry when your kid is like, you want, Daddy, you want to play catch?
1: There's no catch in my house. It's going to take time away from their NBA dreams.
0: <laughs> you're, you're, you're just the worst. Wait, wait. Who's NBA dreams?
1: My son. I'm, I'm breeding an athlete.
0: Oh, okay. You're breeding an athlete, but it's their dream
1: no they're my parent. my kids are gonna call me coach not dad
0: oh, okay again though their dream
1: definitely their dream oh without
0: question without with without fail their dream <laughs> I can't wait to watch this I cannot wait to watch uh the 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 father that is producer Ari oh it's gonna be it's going to be just so, something sweet and 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 something uh, something lovely. Uh, there was, on late night TV, Julie Bowen. Julie Bowen is an actress from the show Modern Family. I think she's very, very good on the show. I don't even know the show's still on the air. I've watched plenty of, of reruns, syndications. It's made me laugh. Sometimes too woke for me, right? I, the show is constructed to do that. I'm not interested in in, in that. I just think it's unbelievably well done, well planned out. The the comedic timing is beyond there. It's, It's impressive in that way. But Julie Bowen is filling in for Jimmy Kimmel. So you know that to fill in for Jimmy Kimmel, you have to have a certain bent. You have to have a certain hatred of a whole bunch of America. You have to, by definition. You have to have an absolute despising for for massive massive segments of, of of the nation it's it's just the way it is you got to hate people in order to get this gig well that's true of jimmy kimmel right uh, we, if jimmy kimmel's going to take uh what's the word i'm looking for he's going to take uh, advice from Chuck Schumer, Senator Schumer, and not let anybody know about it. He's not going to tell people that he's taking advice from Schumer on, what was it? It, was, it wasn't on health care. It wasn't health care. And then he's going to talk about these things like it's his own thoughts and his own ideas. That's hatred. Not disclosing. He's the original Chris Cuomo. Doing things and not disclosing it. So here comes Julie Bowen with this humdinger of a line.
1: The Biden administration is reportedly about to recommend that we all get booster
0: shots. (laughs) Good luck with that, Joe. Yeah, we're like, America can't even agree on the first shots. We're like one giant family dinner where half the table wants pizza and the other half wants to die of COVID. That's what we're like. I, the, 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 hate is so radical. So awful. I actually did, you know, I do a video series over at Red State, redstate.com, and, and I'm part of their, their VIP. You got to join and it's fantastic. It's worth it. My videos are up there twice a week. You can go to redstate.com, click on VIP. You can use the promo code CATS, K A T Z, CATS, and you'll get the discount. It's pretty fantastic. I appreciate it. if you would tell your friends. Now I was talking uh, about Afghanistan really gotten a little bit uh, of covid but I, I was getting to the point that you know the sun the sun still shines but for these people right, there there there's hope there's goodness there there's good things happening and, and it's it's important to remember that but man these people not only believe that they're they're smarter that they're better the hate is palpable but what is worse truly worse is that they don't even take the time to hear what it is you have to say now i will agree I, I don't listen to everybody i i there are people i know like and trust there are people out there who have proven their metal there are some people who are engaging in interesting conversation even when i disagree and then there are some people who just want to show you how smart they are i i do i, I ignore those people is it possible i missed something good within that absolutely but the people who just want to want your attention, want to show you how smart they are, usually it takes place on social media. I dismiss that. Half the country doesn't want people to die of COVID. That's that's not it. And I think that this is an absolutely disgusting and despicable thing for Julie Bowen to say about black Americans. Disgusting and despicable. It was the New York Times that reported that only 27% of black New Yorkers. Uh, have have received a, uh, a an inoculation and again it's an inoculation it's it's not a vaccine it's 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 an inoculation that's what it is it is like a flu shot because that's the way to think of it it is a coronavirus i've had people arguing with me you don't know that it's not going to go away i'm talking about what the doctors tell me I'm talking about what the doctors tell me about what's happening. That it is a coronavirus and it'll be here year after year after year. Maybe eventually it could find its way out the door. But this shot that people are taking is ineffectively named. And when you think about the absolutely poor job that public health has done in being able to convince people to take it, maybe I'm making a point. Maybe I have something to offer in this conversation. And it's not me, it is those people who are getting silenced because people like Julie Bowen refuse to listen. It's an inoculation, not a vaccine. It does not cure you. As the data points out, shows unequivocally, I may add, if you have a COVID inoculation, Pfizer or Moderna or Johnson & Johnson, Your chances of dying from COVID and the Delta variant are remarkably slim. The people in hospitals are the people who are not vaccinated. That is not me pushing a political agenda. That is me looking at data. In the same way I can show you that masks do not stop COVID... Because there's been nothing shown that they do. As a matter of fact, there have been studies out there that show that they don't stop COVID spread because it's aerosolized. We have That's University of Louisville, or, or at least University of Louisville saying that masks don't stop COVID in terms of people getting them at the same rates. I just want to make sure I'm giving every part of what it is they were talking about. Then you have the Florida studies that show that kids in masks actually got COVID at a higher rate. A mask stops something; it doesn't stop COVID. But in so many of these conversations, that's actually not the top tier conversation. It's about whether or not it should be done via force. And then people come along with this idea: "Well, you do? Know, uh, you have to have vaccines to go to school." Well, there are plenty of people who can opt out of vaccines. We do it for religious reasons, and there are some places that are saying if you have a religious exemption to taking the vaccine, fill in your form, we'll decide whether or not we accept it. Who said you get to accept it or not? Who gave a school board this power? We start immediately discussing the thing that involves power and the usurpation of people's rights and parental rights. I oppose the usurpation of parental rights. Parents come first. School boards come ninth. Parents come first. I am in using the expression, you've heard me use it, There are things worse than COVID. A society that gives up the Constitution is worse than COVID. And the people who don't understand that don't understand that there are things worse than death. And if you don't believe me, ask those Afghanis who did anything to get on a plane getting out of Afghanistan, including dying in the landing gear. They got crushed by the landing gear as it took off. The video? I don't know if you've seen it or not the video of someone's lifeless body i assume lifeless lower half their legs dangling and flapping in, in 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 the breeze in the wind because the plane is flying they're dead to escape the hellscape that was coming you ask north koreans if there's something worse than covid there are things worse than death And how that begins is losing sight of the right of people to choose their course. I don't argue that we say kids need to be vaccinated from things. I don't make that argument. By the way, we know that the Delta variant has an R-naught of seven, which means for every one person who gets COVID, seven people can get exposed. COVID-19 in and of itself has an R-naught of three. HIV has an R-naught of four. You have never heard what someone say, prove you don't have HIV or prove you've taken some type of medicine in order to come in this restaurant. You've never heard that. It is more... Transmissible based on the, the, the data than COVID 19. Measles is R18. It's an R naught of 18. R naught refers to what is that baseline? How many people does it take? How many people get infected by every one person? Chicken pox is 10. As an R, it's called the R naught. R and then it's like a, a, an O kind of below it or to the side of it. It's called the R naught. I'm not making the argument that Delta isn't transmissible. I'm making the argument that that, that uh, Delta variant is not deadly in, in terms of uh, what, we're, what we're seeing. We're seeing cases go back up, some hospitalizations going up, and those are people who chose not to get a vaccine. They made a choice not to do so. I'm sorry, inoculation. It's going to take me a while to, to, to get that done. But these people are making a decision for a virus in and of itself that is 99% survivable. They're going with odds. They don't want half the country to die. And they don't want to die. They're taking a look at it and saying, we're not there yet. Like black Americans are saying, it seems from the data, we're not there yet. A, 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 a faith, a lack of faith in, in, in government, a lack of faith in, in, in vaccines, a lack of faith in medicine, which is in and of itself a whole nother problem. Stop dismissing these people and start talking to these people and accept the fact that they may not agree with you. Like I accept the fact that force is unacceptable from our government, including our school boards, which is why I oppose mask mandates and why I oppose employers demanding vaccines. I'll stick with the Constitution because there are things far worse than COVID. I'm Tony Katz. By the way, just a, a little bit of a wrapping of that up in a bow about the uh, what they call vaccines, which really should be called inoculations. There is a study from the Mayo Clinic, researchers, saying that people who have gotten the two-dose series of Moderna are less likely to have a breakthrough case than Pfizer. They're both mRNA vaccines, so it's the same technology regarding uh, infection. But they were created a, a little bit differently. They were built a little bit, little bit differently. The fragment, uh, you know, in terms of the makeup of, of how they engage the spike protein and how they get get in there, Moderna seems to be holding up better. In a sample of twenty five thousand people after six months, Moderna was eighty six percent effective. Pfizer was seventy six percent effective. That's that's pretty interesting in terms of the breakthrough. Now again. And by the way, maybe breakthrough is just a really gross way to describe all this. Maybe that's not right. Well, it broke through. They make it sound so so dire. It was never foolproof. You could still get COVID if you've been inoculated. We all knew this. That's why they said 95% effective or 90% effective. And then people looked at Johnson & Johnson, only 65% effective. That's terrible. But it still keeps you from getting seriously ill if you should get COVID. And you can still get COVID with those others. So I thought, you know, I think it's fine. It's an interesting piece of reporting. Interesting indeed. Find me at TonyKatz.com. Get everything and support the show. This is Tony Katz Today.